All right, everyone. Welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James. I'm your host. Before I dive into today's episode, I want to go through a little housekeeping. I first and foremost want to thank all of you for tuning in today. I love food history, and I love spending time with you and with people who want to learn a little bit more about this crazy topic each and every week. It's been a crazy couple weeks for me with my day job. As a result, I've had to take a break from the show. Life has calmed down just a little bit, and I'm back at it. As always, if you like what you hear today, make sure you leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. A few short words can go a long way to making sure this show continues to get noticed by more listeners. And I know every podcaster out there, every podcast you listen to is going to ask you for a review. It really will only take a few minutes and it's going to do a lot to to help other people find the show. And I super appreciate it. The past two episodes have been all about patent medicines and how they've shaped rules and regulations regarding medication as we know it today. They're fascinating episodes. Make sure you check them out. I know I promised an episode on supplements and how they are the patent medicine of today. That episode's still coming. There's a lot of research that's going into that one. So uh, it's going to get released when it's ready. I'm also continuing to reach out to businesses and restaurants and have been lining up some great interviews for the coming weeks and months. So stay tuned. That's it for housekeeping. (laughs) With that out of the way, let's dive into today's show. And it's a good one today. I got really into this one as I was reading about it. So have you ever heard of a Chinese gooseberry? (laughs) You might be asking yourself, what on earth is a Chinese gooseberry? Today's episode is going to take you on a long journey from California to New Zealand to China as we dive deep into the history behind this humble fruit. Here in the States, we know the Chinese gooseberry simply as kiwi fruit or kiwis. Kiwi fruit has been around in China for centuries, and the first recorded description of kiwi fruit dates back to the 12th century China during the Song Dynasty. It was harvested from the wild and consumed for medicinal purposes. The Chinese called the fruit uh, Mi Hao Tao or Makaki fruit after the Makaki monkeys that love to feast on this sweet snack. This was not a plant or species that the Chinese cultivated or bred, uh, strictly in the wild. That all changed in the early 1900s thanks to Mary Isabel Fraser of Dunedin, New Zealand. So Mary Isabel Fraser was born in Dunedin, New Zealand on March 20th, 1863. She went by her middle name, Isabel. Isabel grew up to be an educated woman and became the principal of Wanganu Girls College. <laughs> Under her direction, it became the largest girls boarding school in New Zealand, Slowly but surely, the school began to wear on Isabel. The buildings and grounds were inadequate, and Isabel had to spend a lot of her time juggling teaching and administrative duties with various building projects. In 1901, she attempted to resign from her position. However, it was refused. (laughs) How many of you have tried to quit your job only to have your boss say, sorry, not happening? 
Instead, she was offered another teacher to help relieve some of the load. So at least they're trying to send help. This new teacher caught tuberculosis shortly after they started, and Isabel found herself back at square one. In 1903, she was finally granted a leave of absence. She took off for Japan to meet up with her sister Katie, who had been teaching there and in various missions around Asia. They traveled to China to visit some schools that Katie had taught at earlier in her life, and while they were there, Isabel came across some Actinidia delicios seeds and took them back with her to New Zealand. The nurseryman at the girls' college, Alexander Allison, took on a grand experiment. Could he make these mysterious seeds grow? Eventually, he was successful, and the kiwi fruit, as we know it today, was born. So this was really one of the first attempts at cultivating kiwi fruit. Now, I'm picturing this scene in China as Isabel's there and uh, being given the equivalent of magic beans. And if only this gentleman knew, uh, as they were handing them to Isabel, that this was the key to a multi-billion dollar export one day, right? Uh, that he could have said, these would these are magic beans, and they'll give you millions of billions of dollars. And she wouldn't have believed it. But that was true, right? <laughs> so what makes this crazy is that Alexander Allison was actually successful at cultivating kiwi fruit. Because around this exact same time that he was trying to get these seeds to grow, these exact same seeds were making their way to England and to the U.S. They were also trying to experiment on if they could cultivate this fruit as a potential commercial crop. So Britain's uh, Veitch nursery, nursery successfully grew plants from the seeds. However, they were all male plants and couldn't produce fruit. So with kiwi fruit, their plants are male and female. Male plants have to pollinate female plants. The U.S. had a similar setback. <laughs> Meanwhile, Alexander Allison managed to do what the United States Department of Agriculture and the Veitch Nursery could not. He was able to grow thriving, fruit-yielding plants. So I guess it was the luck of the draw. <laughs> His seeds weren't all male. The fruit was branded as a Chinese gooseberry because it had the flavor of a ripe gooseberry. They became incredibly popular with U.S. and British servicemen who were stationed in New Zealand in World War II. And in the late 1950s and early 1960s, these same servicemen were delighted to see kiwi fruit start popping up in grocery stores. Exports started arriving first in England, then made their way to California. And this is the fruit we know and love today. So obviously when we go to the grocery store, we don't buy Chinese gooseberries. We buy kiwi or kiwi fruit. So where did the name come from? In 1962, New Zealand growers began calling it kiwi fruit for export marketing. That was a name that was commercially adopted in 1974. In New Zealand and Australia, the word kiwi refers to the kiwi bird. And a kiwi bird is a flightless bird. Uh, it's also a nickname used by New Zealanders for 
other people. <laughs> it's not considered a bad or offensive nickname. Many New Zealanders view the term as a symbol of pride and endearment. In fact, the kiwi is uh, the bird, not the fruit, is a national symbol of sorts. It's on a lot of military uniforms. Uh, New Zealand military servicemen in World War II are often referred to as kiwis. And you might know of a shoe polish brand, Kiwi. Uh, the symbol, the logo on that is the Kiwi bird. <laughs> so it's really an interesting uh, symbol in, in a lot of ways. And that became the name for this Chinese gooseberry. And it stuck. So let's talk about different varieties of Kiwi fruit. The most common type is what we see when we go to the grocery store, that fuzzy brown kiwi fruit. And that's, again, what you're going to find when you walk into a grocery store. They have a fuzzy skin. The entire kiwi fruit is edible. However, many people peel the skin on these because of the unpleasant fuzzy texture. So if you don't like the fuzzy texture, the golden kiwi fruit is for you. These have a smoother skin and the flesh on these ranges in color from a bright green to an almost clear yellow. And some varieties even have that clear yellow with a red ring around the seeds. And those are apparently the most prized of these golden kiwi fruit. This is a sweeter and more aromatic kiwi fruit. And then they have kiwi berries. These are edible fruits roughly the size of a large grape. They're similar in taste to the fuzzy kiwi fruit we know and love. They have a thin, smooth green skin, and it doesn't have that fuzzy exterior that the fuzzy kiwi fruit have. So they're often eaten uh, without peeling. The entire kiwi fruit on all of these is edible, even that fuzzy skin, <laughs> if you're into that. Kiwi fruit continues to be popular today. In 2015, it was a billion dollar export for New Zealand. It's now widely cultivated in China and many other countries around the world, and they have become a major kiwi fruit producer over the years. In 2018, they produced half of the world's kiwi fruit. The top 10 producers of kiwi fruit are in order from most to least China, then Italy, surprisingly, then New Zealand, Iran, Greece, Chile, Turkey, France, United States, and Portugal. Now, I was surprised to see Italy at number two. I thought it would be China, <laughs> then New Zealand. However, it makes sense when you know a little bit about he how kiwi fruit is grown. And I put a picture of this on the, on the website, so make sure you check it out, toastykettle.com. You'll be able to see <laughs> the, uh, that kiwi fruit grows on vines, similar to how grapes are grown. And Italy already had a great, infrastructure in place to support grape production. These techniques were sim uh, simply adapted and adopted to support kiwi fruit. In 1989, they became the leading producer of kiwi fruit. So they got real serious about it. I thought that was pretty incredible. So the first memory I have of eating a kiwi fruit was in my grandma's kitchen in Idaho. Uh, it's a random memory, but there it is. And that's kind of an interesting segue into some of these fun facts that we have here. Um, you know, kiwi fruit, it's something that I 
ate in my grandma's kitchen. I remember eating it as a young kid in school lunches. It was one of those fruits that (laughs) I thought looked better than a mushy, red, delicious apple in the lunch line. So I would grab it and eat it. And uh, as an adult, I really don't go out of my way to buy them. I have a hard time finding sweet ones or ripe ones. And uh, there are actually some tricks to that. There are ways that you can get these to ripen faster. And there are ways to keep them ripe for longer. And there are ways that you can completely over-ripen them and get them to the point where they're completely mushy. So they're kind of a temperamental fruit. Uh, so fun facts about kiwi fruit. Kiwis are incredibly nutritious. A cup of kiwi contains 3% of our recommended daily intake of vitamin A, 273% of vitamin C, 13% of vitamin E, 89% of vitamin K, 3% of thiamine, 3% of riboflavin, 3% of niacin, 6% of vitamin B6, 11% of folate, and 3% of pantothenic acid. In addition, kiwi fruits are also rich in potassium and fiber. We also talked about three different main groupings of kiwi fruit, fuzzy, golden, and kiwi berries. But there are actually over 60 different species of kiwi fruit. Some people are actually allergic to kiwis. There's a good chance that if you're allergic to latex, you're also allergic to kiwi fruit. Kiwi fruit is actually considered part of the berry family. <laughs> so it's right up there with raspberries, blueberries, all that good stuff. A kiwi fruit plant can produce kiwis for 30 years and live for over 50 years. And over 1 million tons of kiwi fruit are grown and produced each year. So that's incredible. We love our kiwis. <laughs> If you like what you heard, again, make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and leave a few words along with that. It really does help people find the show and it helps the show grow. So special thanks to all of you that have done it. Special thanks to all of you for listening. Until next week. 